Resurrection Sunday, and I'm going to share a story with you. I want you guys to have this in your mind right now. Are you grateful? Um, the story I'm going to share with you is about an immigrant. He was 16 years old. He was told in his country that if he came to America, he would find freedom. About 1936, it was just before World War II, and he starts to leave his country at 16 years old with his wife, who was younger. They get on a ship and they sail across the Atlantic Ocean through the Mediterranean, and they land in a place called Ellis Island, New York. He didn't have his papers with him. Without his papers, his immigration papers, and so he lived there for about a year. And then he heard about an opportunity. He was told that he could move from New York to Detroit, where the big three were, and he could work for the big three. And so this immigrant who didn't have his papers, who was here illegally, from New York to Detroit, specifically the area of Dearborn. And as he's living in Dearborn with his wife, who's young, she's about 13, he starts going to the big three and he gets to Ford Motor Company and he's applying for a job. And they said, we'll let you do anything that doesn't take away from American jobs. It's 1936. He's like, well, okay, what would you let me do? And they said, you can be a janitor, but you're not going to be a janitor in any of these plants. We'll let you be a janitor at Henry Ford Community College. And so he starts working there. He's saving his money and taking care of his family, and he's starting to have kids, and he's saving up his money to send back home to Italy so he can bring other brothers over as well. Because the war was causing problems in country, Italy, this village was being picked apart by Mussolini, so he did a job that most Americans didn't want to do at the time, just so he could save enough money to take care of his family. Then he became a United States citizen.
place yourself in that place just before the war starts. Where you want to leave your country to go to a place where no one wants you. No one wants to be around you. You're an immigrant from Italy. Everyone hates you. He couldn't find a job in New York. And so they sent him to, and he finds out about stuff in Detroit. And they say to him, you know what? No, you can't do anything here. We don't want you. He couldn't speak English very well. My grandmother was 13 when they came over here. So I'm asking you guys a question. Are you grateful? Are we grateful for our story? I can't be any more grateful for a man who decided to leave his country, to come to a foreign country where he knew he wasn't going to be liked, with his young wife of 13,
he said to me, I love you so much that I'm willing to die on the cross for you so that you can be in heaven with me forever. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. There's nothing else to that message. I could stop it right there and we could end and we could all go out to dinner and lunch and have a good old time because that's the reality of it. People make the gospel message too difficult. Now, this isn't easy believism either because once you become a Christian, Jesus said, you will be persecuted for my name's sake because I was persecuted first. And so to actually follow and obey and walk in the ways of Christ, to love your enemy, that is a very radical statement. To care for those who are in need, to love those who are downtrodden, to take care of the widows and the children, to take care of people, even when they don't want you to. Not an easy thing to do, but salvation is quite simple. And that's what he did. And so I'm grateful for that. Because God's greatest gift to us is his son. And like I said last week, we looked at the prophet, the priest, and the kingship of Jesus. Are we grateful for what he did for us so we can have a better life? life isn't long. We live 70, maybe 80, 90 years, it says in the scriptures. So it tells us to number our days. Truly think about how many days we actually have on this earth. Not very many. My grandfather didn't live very long. He died at 66 years old. I can tell you some creepy stories about that death. sitting there and I said to him, we stopped and before he dropped me back off and I said, Grandpa, when are you going to die? And he goes, soon, Christopher. Soon. I said, no, 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 Grandpa, when are you going to die? I want to know. And he goes, soon. So then my mom came to pick me up from school and I said to her, Grandpa picked me up and went out to lunch. He died. She said, Christopher, don't you say that. Your grandfather's fine. When did he come pick you up? And I said, he picked me up from school. So my mom goes over to the teacher and she said, did my father-in-law come and pick my stuff? And she goes, no. I'm like, mom, he picked me up, I promise. We went out to lunch. He's dead. So the whole ride home, we're going home and I'm telling her that grandpa passed away. And she's like, would you stop saying that? So I got yelled at. And right when we walked through the door, we get a phone call from my grandma.
choosing to do what so we can celebrate the day with true happiness in our lives. And that's really what today is all about. We're here to celebrate Jesus' victory over death. I can tell you, after reading much of the story of the crucifixion, I was not very grateful. In fact, I wasn't grateful enough. I, I needed to be reminded of what Jesus did for me on the cross to find true humility. In fact, this week, it was last week, I think now, this week or last week, I believe that we watched the cross of last week. We watched the Passion of the Christ, me and the boys. I watch it every year for Easter to remind myself of what Jesus went through. I just wept with my my boys as we watched the the beating and the flogging. And it was hard because I didn't know if I should show my my eight year old what was going on in this movie because it's pretty graphic. I don't know if you've all seen the Passion of the Christ. But long story short, it's something we had a chance to talk about more and more, and it's been something we've been able to be grateful over to understand what He went through for us. So I'm asking us today, if we are grateful so we can truly rejoice at the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, because there's no other way to find life than through that event. No other way. In fact, Henry Morris once said this, quote, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth. Everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead for Christianity. Everything. Paul even says that. So are we grateful for what Jesus went through for us? That's the real question. Because what I want to do for us today is I'm going to do something that I have never seen in church. And I want you guys, hopefully, that you have never seen this in church before either. But I'm going to look at the prophecies of what was supposed to happen to the Messiah and see how those prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus. So I'm going to kind of tie these things together of gratefulness by looking at the fact that we looked at last week the prophecies, the priest and the king of Christ, but now we're going to look at just the prophecies and how those are actually fulfilled in Christ. And I'm going to put them up there for you, and you're going to see them and we'll go through them. And I think this is important for us today because the prophecies in their fulfillment gives us the hope that we can be grateful because it proves truth. And these aren't self-fulfilling prophecies. See, we can actually put a prophecy out there and we can self-fulfill it. But Christ couldn't have self-fulfilled these prophecies. It's not possible. For example, here's the first one. His place of birth. Did any of you know exactly where you were going to be born? Before you were born? Micah chapter 2, 5, verse 2. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. 
it's going to come from Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Someone's going to be born in Bethlehem. Genesis 49.12 or 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until the tribe comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So the Messiah is going to come from the tribe of Judah and be born in Bethlehem. Let me ask you guys a question. Are you grateful for being born in the United States of America? Are we grateful for where we are born? Look at what Jesus did. Are you ready? Here's a fulfillment in this. Jesus, Matthew 1, verse 2 and 16. Jacob, the father of Judah, of whom Jesus is born, who is called the Christ. Also Matthew 2, 1. And now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. So here it is. We see that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and he's born to the tribe of Judah. He's the only person only person ever born in Bethlehem of Judea from the tribe of Judah, according to the historical documents, born at the right time, who can make, who did make claims to be the Messiah. There was no one else from before Jesus or after Jesus' time that had been born in Bethlehem from the tribe of Judah who claimed to be the Messiah. sense? No one else except for Jesus so far. No other person. So the Messiah, according to the Old Testament, says he's going to come from the tribe of Judah and be born in Bethlehem. Jesus is the only one to fulfill that prophecy. Are we grateful? If not, how about this prophecy? How many of you people know how you were going to be born will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Here's the fulfillment. Matthew 1, 18-25. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and he'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Joseph woke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I'm grateful for two reasons for this. First, it brings the supernatural into life. 
supernatural. So anything outside of nature is what the Greeks would call supra, where we get our word super, so outside of nature. This is what happens with supernatural things. We see God working in the lives and our lives through a virgin birth. On the one hand, the virgin birth also brings Jesus' life into the picture supernaturally, and then his death and resurrection closes his life from the perspective of the supernatural. The second reason I find this very important and very grateful is that the virgin birth is important. As John Piper so rightly puts it, it shows the fact that the human race couldn't produce its own redeemer, which implies that its sins and guilt are profound and that its Savior must come from outside of humanity.
Listen to what Matthew says. Then when Judas' betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is this to us? See to it to yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed, went out, and hanged himself. Verse 6, but the chief priest taking the silver said, it's not lawful for us to put this in the treasury, since it's blood money. So they took counsel, bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. I'm going to say this again. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You literally paid for the potter's field. You exactly fulfilled a prophecy you're trying to stop Jesus from claiming to be. Why would you do that? not the Son of God. Why would you do that? If you knew who Jesus was, and you knew who Jesus claimed to be, why would you take that money that you gave to Judas, that you knew was blood money, and apply it to a prophecy concerning the Messiah? Wouldn't you buy any other field in Israel? I mean, honestly, think about this. You have an opportunity to buy any other field. Why buy a potter's field? It doesn't make any sense that they would fulfill that prophecy. So let me ask you a question. Are you grateful they did? Because if not, what about this? Here's this manner of death. Prophecy says this, Psalm 34, 20. Keep all his bones... Not one of them is broken. Okay? Deuteronomy. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he's put to death, you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for the hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Here's the fulfillment. John 19.31. Since it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first one, and then of the other one who had been crucified with him. And when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced the side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And he was, and he saw, and has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth. That there may also who may believe. Galatians three, Christ redeemed us from a curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, "Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree." So that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Here we have two prophecies about Jesus' manner of death and dying on a cross or a tree and his bones not being broken because he was already dead. Are we grateful for this fulfillment and prophecy of Jesus' death? Like
like I said before, the Jewish leaders wanted to change this prophecy. If they could, and they wanted to change this prophecy, couldn't they have easily asked the Roman guards, no, 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 don't just pierce, yeah, yeah, you pierced his side, break his legs anyway. Pharisees who were standing there watching him die, couldn't they have been like, no, 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 no. We know the Messiah is not going to have his legs broken. His bones, none of his bones are going to be broken. So break his legs so we can prove he's not the real Messiah. Why didn't they do that? Flabbergasted. Why didn't they do that? You know what? They could have also done this. things happen to Jesus. These are not self-fulfilling prophecies because he had no control over what the soldiers were going to do. He had no control over what the Pharisees were going to do. And yet, he fulfilled the prophecies again and again and again and again. Are we grateful? I only have a couple more. This one's interesting. studying the scriptures this week and I was looking at these and I thought to myself, how interesting is this? Psalm 22.7 says this, All who see me mock me and they make mouths at me and they wag their heads. Matthew chapter 27. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him and put scarlet robes on him and they twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head put a reed in his right hand, kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Here's another interesting one. Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheek to those who pull out my beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Matthew 26, here's the fulfillment. Then they spit in his face and they struck him. They slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? They didn't have TV back then, so we didn't know it was Will Smith. I'm sorry, I couldn't think of that. <laughs> I'm going to get canceled for that one. God's always had history. And those who were passing by when he was crucified derided him, wagging their heads at him. Here's the last one right here Psalm 22 17. I can count on all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Fulfillment Luke chapter 23, verse 35. The people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. He is the Christ, and he 
chosen one to save himself. All these prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus, who took all these on and he endured all these to fulfill prophecy. Let me ask you a question. Are we faithful? I know that many here are today
That's Hosea 6.2. On the third day, he will rise us up and that we may live before him. Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came and descended from heaven and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled because and became like dead men. Verse 5, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, He is not here. He has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. There is no question in my mind, in my heart, and in my understanding of studying of the Scriptures. There are more Scriptures that Jesus fulfilled than any other. He, in fact, fulfilled over 400 prophecies about the Messiah. That's one in 10 to the 157th power. Take one and add 157 zeros at the end of it. They don't have a name for that number. And that's how many he fulfilled. The probability is so astronomically high that you can't even fathom it. And yet he fulfilled it for us. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. Are we grateful? Are we grateful for him? That's the question I'm asking. I said it before. I confess I wasn't grateful enough studying, I'm beyond grateful. I'm very humbled by what Jesus fulfilled. Very humbled by what Jesus did for someone like me. Let me say this. If you've never accepted Christ on the cross and dying for you, I invite you to accept Jesus Christ today. In fact, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to pray this simple prayer. And and if you pray this simple prayer with me, then come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk with you. Don't worry, I'll put a mask on so you won't get sick. But, but I'd love to talk with you about it. But I think this is one of the most important things we could ever do. So let me just do this with us now as we close. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I've sinned against you. And I come to you humbly and gratefully. And I ask for your forgiveness. God, you know that I repent and I turn from my ways, and I want to follow Jesus' ways. And so, God, I yield my life to you now. Help me find the right place, the right church, a church that teaches love, a church that teaches total Scripture, a church that follows you in everything that they do. Lord, I know that there are many churches out there, and I just pray, God, that we would stop bumbling over stupid things like issues that happen in the world today, Lord, I just pray that we find churches that follow you. Lord, I want a church that is grateful. Grateful for all the people who are here. Grateful for the fact that we can love each other well. That's what churches are to do. Jesus, you said in John 13, 34, and 35, that if we love each other well, that the world will know that we are your disciples. And so I pray, Father God, that we would love each other well in this church. And we would love our families well. I thank you for all who are here. Lord, I pray, and I know you promise us that we will have 
different life. I know it's not a necessarily a better life, but it's going to be a different life. When we become followers of Jesus, our life doesn't always get easier. Life gets harder, especially as a Christian. But Lord, I pray that we are grateful. I pray that we remember what Jesus has done for us so that we can have a relationship with you, God, forever. Lord, that's what this day is all about. Father, our